The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, uh, you still have a few more days uh, until the 15th of this month, to be exact, to sign up for his letter. Then, uh, if you don't sign up by then, you will have to put your name on a waiting list and wait another three months uh, to sign up. Uh, for Chen's letter. Chen has uh, had an excellent track record. We've talked about it before. He's on this show from time to time. And uh, he has, he's a very unconventional investor, but he uh, is able to find some stunningly successful uh, stocks, uh, things that people uh, don't seem to want. Uh, he finds the uh, those that have intrinsic value that uh, seem to escape the attention of Wall Street to a great extent. And he does it often enough uh, to make a lot of money, so you might want to consider what is Chen, what is Chen buying, what is Chen selling. Uh, but again, if you're interested in signing up, you have to come in soon because as of the 15th, uh, the, that's the cutoff date for the next three months. Uh, you can go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, to sign up for uh, put your name on the waiting list on Chen's list, uh, and you can also. Uh, call Claudio Bassi in New York during normal work hours in New York City. That would be 9 till uh, 5 o'clock. And that number is 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. You can also sign up for my newsletter by calling Claudio at that number, uh, 718-457-1426, or you can go to miningstocks.com. My newsletter is called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And I do focus largely on the gold and uh, silver mining stocks. We do touch, though, on some energy and tech stocks uh, that have to do mostly with technologies that help reduce the cost of producing the kinds of things that you must have uh, in order to uh, to stay alive. Uh, commodities, basically commodities, energy, and so forth. Medical technologies that come along as well. And there's actually a couple of Chen's uh, picks in the uh, biomedical field that have done extremely well that are in my newsletter. 
newsletter as well. I do feed off of some of the things that Chen provides, some of his ideas uh, when uh, when they fit my theme of of my newsletter. So uh, consider that too. And you can actually sign up for a relatively inexpensive three month trial. Uh, to my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, by going to miningstocks.com or calling Claudio at 718-457-1426. I should also like to remind you that the best place to go to for following everything that I do is on Jay Taylor Media. That's jaytaylormedia.com. In fact, going forward within the next six months or so, uh, I am expecting Jay Taylor Media will be the primary place where you can access this show along with the, uh, the iStore. Should also mention that you can follow me on Twitter, and uh, J Taylor Media is my handle. J Taylor Media. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. We also want to thank our sponsors uh, for this, uh, our sponsors for this new season, which begins with today's uh, with today's program. Uh, our sponsors for the new season. Uh, are Blue Goldwater's Technologies, which has just changed its name to Nanostruck Technologies, appropriately so, since it is a nanotechnology that they are using to clean water and do other things. Uh, Paramount Gold and Silver Corp, Columbus Gold and Golden Arrow Resources. Those are our sponsors for the, for the new year, or uh, for the new season, I should say, which ends at the end of this year. We'll go into the first day, uh, the first week of January 2014 already. Can't believe we're talking about 2014. Uh, just a word or two about our sponsors, Nanostruck Technologies, selling at a mere 15 cents. It's down a lot. There's been some management uh, issues there. A new management team's come on. I think that's the reason the company hasn't progressed further than it has. Uh, Nanostruck Technologies, I do own some shares of this stock, which I bought as a private placement. Um, before they went public, actually. And um, and then um, I should mention that there's only 78 million shares outstanding. That gives it a $12 million market cap. But if this company can do anything like it claims it can, uh, this is going to be a huge winner. Uh, and, well, the proof will be in the pudding. We will see. But apparently uh, they they have had some a lot of success in Mexico cleaning up um, wastewater and turning it into potable uh, water. So... If nanotechnologies, I mean, the world really needs clean water. So if it can do what it says it can do and can do it efficiently and economically, then I think we've got a big winner on our hands here. But as I say, we will hopefully be talking to nanotech, nanostruck technologies sometime in the near future so they can tell your story to us. Paramount Gold and Silver, we will be talking to Chris Krupe in just a few minutes. Uh, he is the uh, president and CEO of that company that has just uh, slightly less than 10 million gold equivalent ounces in Mexico and Nevada. Selling at a dollar thirty-one, one hundred and fifty-five million shares outstanding, two hundred three million dollar market cap. Columbus Gold uh, is coming on as a sponsor for the first time. This is a company that I ha- own and have recommended in my newsletter. By the way, I, I also own and have recommended Paramount Gold and Silver Corp as well. But Columbus Gold has a multi-million ounce deposit in French Guiana. I think uh, this is a company with a market cap of about $30 million that has, in my view, an awful lot of upside potential uh, going forward. Golden Arrow Resources, uh, we, uh, they are, as I say, returning as a sponsor, selling at $0.21 cents today, uh, giving it a market cap of only about $8 million in spite of the fact that they have, uh, I think, what looks like a major silver discovery in Argentina. Uh, and we will be talking to Golden Arrow uh, sometime in the near future, uh, the CEO of Golden Arrow, to give us an update uh, there as well. 
I, I do want to put in a plug for my good friend Al Corlin. Uh, you might, if you enjoy this show, might want to go to kereport.com, kereport.com to listen to Al's show. Uh, I'm telling that not only because I am a frequent guest of that show, but also because I think uh, that there's an awful lot of stuff there that you'll in, uh, that you would enjoy listening to, um, having to do with a lot of the same topics that we talk about. Al's format is more of a roundtable discussion, in which he has several people with different views, uh, different ideas that uh, that talk about uh, really important topics of the day. So kereport.com is someplace I would suggest you go to. Questions for Taylor at gmail.com is the uh, email you should use to send in questions for uh, that you might have or comments, criticisms, or, uh, or favorable comments about this show. Questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Uh, we do have uh, a listener uh, named Tim who wanted to know if we are going to interview Golden Arrow sometime in the near future. Well, I just mentioned that we will uh, as soon as this company has some more news. They haven't had a lot of things going on right now, um, but Golden Arrow is a well-funded company. And it does have what I think is a very significant uh, silver discovery in Argentina. So uh, we will be talking to Joe Grasso sometime in the near future about that company. You know, this show tries to be about getting to the real truth, not my truth or your truth or Obama's truth or Val, uh, uh, Putin's truth, but what is the truth. And everyone, you know, every guest that we invite on this show, uh, I always invite with that in mind. And much, if not most, of what the mainstream media is about, in my view, is about self-serving propaganda. Well, I suppose, uh, since I'm human, and since all of my guests are human, there there could always be a, a degree of bias in in what we say and what you know and our views on things. But we try as hard as we can to stay away from that sort of thing. I, I would like to just give you a couple of examples of what I think are sort of self-serving stuff that goes on. And I think that those of us who are free market uh, advocates also have to be mindful of this. It's not as if it's just the other guys that are, that are the guilty ones. I mean, it's, it's a human nature to want to see things in your way and not to see things from an objective point of view. So, uh, but, but let me just give an example, a couple of examples, if I might. One, uh, a libertarian, a very staunch libertarian, even an anarcho-capitalist, uh, set up a beautiful real estate development in a foreign country. And this person would be the last person to want to see government doing anything. Uh, he would like to see no government rather than any government except when it might benefit him. In this particular case, it was a major capital project that needed to be uh, undertaken in order for his project to gain some value and be able to sell real estate in that development. Well, how can this be? I mean, how how can we really hope to return back to a free market economy, uh, to have everything fair and even playing field, uh, if we think that way? Let me give you another example of how I think uh, the uh, the truth is perverted, and you have to really be careful. And I think this is probably this example probably goes more directly to what we try to do on this show. But let's let's talk about Goldman Sachs and gold for a minute. When Goldman Sachs is telling you that the price of gold is going down, beware. In fact, that may be the most bullish signal that you can get. Goldman Sachs starts talking about the price of gold going down. Well, back in April, they did that. But at the same time, Goldman Sachs was buying gold with both hands. They were telling everybody that gold was going to go down, and it did go down, of course. But near the bottom, Goldman Sachs was loading up big time. 
And I gave you just a little bit of an example of this. Uh, this actually is this is a quote from Zero Hedge uh, that they wrote this back in, at the end of August. And I quote: In early April, the status quo was exuberant when none other than Goldman Sachs issued a sell on the barbarous relic that has become so indicative of the exuberance of central planning. At the time, we were skeptical, to say the least, and just for extra muppeting, the bank also suggested to its clients that it buy U.S. Treasuries. Well, now that the full details of holdings changes have been released for the second quarter, it is perhaps clearer than ever before that as the bank was telling its clients to sell, 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 it was itself buy, buy, buying the gold ETF, GLD, with both arms and feet. In the second quarter, Goldman Sachs added a stunning and record 3.7 million shares of GLD. As Paulson dumped his GLD, Goldman lapped it up to become the ETF's seventh largest holder. So this is just a couple of examples, but this last one especially, of the mainstream media, how it uses the airwaves to talk you into handing over your wealth to them. And this is exactly why this show was created, to help you discern this kind of immorality on the part of Wall Street and, of course, uh, their partners in crime, the U.S. government, which passes laws and protects them with every which way. Well, on today's show, uh, we have several guests that I think will also help us. Uh, as I mentioned, in just a couple of minutes now, we're going to have Chris Krupe, who is uh, the CEO of uh, of Paramount Gold and Silver coming on with us. This is an outstanding company with just under 10 million gold equivalent ounces uh, on two properties. Chris Krupe will be giving you an update on, on his company and, and what they are planning to do. Anthem Blanchard uh, and James Paplava will also visit for the first time. Uh, Chris, uh, as I mentioned, um, Chris Krupe will be with us. Uh, during the 1970s, uh, getting to, uh, to Anthem Blanchard, during the 1970s, his father, James Blanchard, who many of you may recognize, uh, played a leading role gaining legislation to decriminalize the ownership of gold. Can you imagine that? It was a criminal, actually, a criminal uh, event to own gold after FDR. In fact, $10,000 fine, 10 years in jail was the, uh, was the penalty the U.S. government would have put on people if they refused to turn in their gold during the 1930s. Well, James Blanchard, that's Anthem's father, was instrumental in getting legislation passed during the Ford administration to make it legal, honestly, in this land of liberty, to own gold again. So Anthem is, uh, is now extending his father's service for the sake of liberty by providing convenient and uh, an efficient way to turn fiat currency into real money to do exactly what Goldman Sachs was doing when they told you to look the other way. Anthem is uh, providing a very unique uh, service, and we'll be talking to him about that in a few minutes. James Paplava, who's the host of the Financial Sense radio show and president of Paplava Securities, will pass along his views on our troubled markets, along with his wise advice on how you can turn uh, some very bad economic uh, future, a very bad economic future, I should say, into personal financial triumph. Um, so, And I will also be talking to you a little bit more, if time permitting, about some of my favorite uh, gold and silver uh, picks. We'll also have Daniel McAdams will be with us towards the end of today's show to give us an update on what is uh, on Ron Paul's Institute for Peace and Prosperity. We do have to go to a break, and when we come back, uh, I'll be with Chris Krupe, so don't go away. I'll be right back. Stocks, 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Paramount Gold and Silver is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce gold and silver deposits. Paramount's primary asset, the Sleeper Gold Project in northern Nevada, is located in one of the world's most prolific mining districts. Paramount's gold equivalent resources stand at over 7 million ounces. Paramount trades on the NYSE under the symbol PZG. For more information, go to www.paramountgold.com. Paramount Gold is located for success in gold and silver exploration. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Chris Krupe. Uh, Chris is a... Uh, a chartered accountant, a certified public accountant, and founder of Paramount Gold and Silver, uh, symbol PZZ. Uh, Z. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange under that symbol as well as in Toronto. Um, Chris has been uh, the CEO of that company since uh, its inception in 2004, and he's responsible for building and financing the company. Prior to founding Paramount, uh, Chris spent 10 years working for international accounting firms, including Ernst & Young and PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, corporate advisory mandates from, 19, uh, from 1988 to 1993. Chris was an assistant in the office of, Deputy Prime Minister of, uh, of the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada. Welcome, Chris. It's really good to have you back again. Well, Jay, uh, I'm excited to be back and exciting for a, a new fall season of, uh, of work out there in the mining business. Yeah, fall season, and thank you for coming on as a sponsor to help our, our listeners understand the shenanigans that are going on and also to understand about excellent companies like yours that, that really have a chance not only to survive in this market. You know, a lot of the companies that we're talking to these days uh, – uh, in Canada are, are worried about keeping the lights on. You're in a much better position than that. Not, uh, not only uh, are you well-funded, but you also have a lot of ounces of gold and silver in the ground. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. We might tell our listeners you're selling at about a dollar thirty today, 155 million shares outstanding. So, you know, a little over $200 million market cap, I guess, right? Well, that's right, Jay. And, um, you know, we're down somewhat like our peers uh, in, in valuation, but not, not as uh, substantially. And I think yeah. it's a testament to the, the good projects we have in Mexico and in Nevada. Yeah, well, that's the market price, but you know what we really need to keep focused on is the intrinsic value because, uh, as I think it was Howard Ruff that used to say, when the wind blows, all the turkeys will fly. But you know, when the market is high, uh, valuations get um, get distorted because people look at the share price and they don't look at what 
is underlying that share price. Well, as I mentioned, you've got nearly 10 million ounces of gold equivalent ounces, I should say, because you have a lot of silver ounces uh, in two different projects. So the way I look at Paramount, the way I look at your company, Chris, is that you are a company with very strong intrinsic value if you believe that one day those ounces of gold and silver can be taken out of the ground with value. Of course, that's what really matters from a mining perspective. So let's talk a little bit about your San Miguel project to start with. How many ounces of gold and silver do you have there? And perhaps you can talk a little bit about the economics of that project. Sure, Jay. We've got 1.5 million ounces of gold plus 100 million ounces of silver. Uh Um, uh, Very nice grades, uh, sort of underground mining type grades. And... um, you know, the, the economics are, are, are quite interesting. Because of the grade, we've, we've, we're projecting a 14-year mine life, uh, producing 57,000 ounces of gold per year and 3 million ounces of silver because it's almost an even split, and a relatively low capex of about $250 million to get in uh, to uh, production. And relative to some of our peers who are spending in the billions, this mm-hmm. is modest, and this is actually, I think, doable um, particularly in, with, the, with our costs, our operating costs and our cap, capital costs are on a per ounce basis relatively low. So I'm very excited about the economics and uh, we're moving forward to, to uh, revise those yet again. Now, uh, so if your costs are relatively low, I guess depending on the price of gold and silver, you can, you can get your CapEx back fairly quickly. And of course, that's something the bankers always want to look at when they finance a project like this. Well, actually, our payback period is quite is quite mo- is quite low, and our all-in cost, if you look at sort of this new metric, Jay, that everyone's talking about, is around eight hundred dollars an ounce. Mm-hmm. You've got companies out there that are are, are barely making money at thirteen hundred dollar gold, and so mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. built in, or you know, we've we've got this wonderful project that's got a margin, and a margin even at, even if gold has some downside risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, so are you still exploring? Are you building the, the ounces up more, or have you pretty much, uh, is this all the further you're going to take this, well, this project? Actually, Jay, we've spent uh, $7 million this year so far oh, on wow. this project, yeah. So we've got two years of exploration drilling that needs to be remodeled, um, needs to need to look at the economics again. So we've not, we don't think we've only made this larger, but we think we've made the asset quality bigger. Uh, sorry, better. And uh, so we're in the middle of putting something together, and I think, I think we'll, we should have something in the coming months. And I think the listeners will, you know, I'd love to come back and talk about it then. But I think they're going to be quite excited to see how much this has grown in the last two years. Okay, so you've got 1.5 million ounces of gold, 100 million ounces of silver on that project, and uh, we'll look for those numbers to to climb, and uh, maybe the grades get higher depending on cutoffs and all that, of course. That's right. That's right, Jay. Right, and give our listeners some sense of the uh, of the um, you know is it is access easy there, uh, power and so forth. What what's the situation with that? Those those infrastructure issues, well, which are yeah. always so important to the economics. Absolutely, uh, we're lucky because we have um, you know uh, an established mining camp in the Sierra Madre Gold Silver Belt, where you have Gold Corp, Alamos Gold, Pan American Silver, Carlos mm-hmm. Slim now in there of all the newest. People core delaying right in the middle of us, and guess what? That means there's now roads in there, many of them paved, 33,000 volt power. We now have water rights. We have access to the water under the ground that's been granted to us by the government of Mexico. We have everything that someone could need to build a mine, and so this puts this camp 
head and shoulders above any others, uh, probably in the third world and certainly in the top areas in Mexico and uh, even more so than even in Canada at this time. Wow, that's um, so. It's uh, it's really interesting. Now you mentioned all those household name companies that you're in the midst of down there. I, I it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I believe that your company does not intend to become a producer. You are an exploration company. You want to build and find world class deposits that will be very attractive to the guys that have the talent, have have the the, the resources to put them into production. Is that, do I have that right? Yes, Jay. Our intention is not to build. We believe we add more value by finding deposits and by delineating the resources and by proving the economics and moving on to the next opportunity. And, you know, we've, we've demonstrated that with this project and I think also with our Nevada assets. So we have a number of partner, potential partners out there that we could turn to. And that's the other reason why you want to be established in these established mining camps. Absolutely, and I would just mention that uh, to have more than one and to have several is better than having just one so that there there could be other, you know, because you, you want to see a competitive bidding for an asset. Of course, right now, Chris, the companies, uh, the big guys are sort of reeling, aren't they? I mean, they're not in the strongest position. They're not really out there aggressively acquiring companies. Do you think acquiring projects right now, they're sort of licking their wounds because sometimes they, in the past they've gone out and maybe paid too much for some projects. So do you, do you think we're anywhere near a turning point where the, uh, where the majors may actually be going in and looking to buy some things again? Well, there, there seems to be a lot of talk behind the scenes, Jay. Um, and if I was, if I was a, um, and my business, uh, uh, my business school and, and experience tells me that you buy things when they're cheap. Mm-hmm. And this is about the lowest valuations I've seen in 10 years, and you may have seen lower ones prior to that. But So this is the time when a lot of M&A should be happening, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be happening when the market was at its peak. So we've got a very strange uh, dynamic in this industry. Um, but I, I believe from, from the Denver Gold Show, and I was there speaking for the first time this year, I believe mm-hmm. that uh, that is going to change because there's going to be some need to fill this production gap that's going to arise due to the huge consumption of physical gold that's happening right now in Asia. So mm-hmm. just give it some time, and I think that will also help valuations over time. Yeah, and uh, give it some time and give it some higher prices would help too. And I would, uh, maybe while we're on to that, before we start talking about the sleeper, what sort of um, sense do you have about the gold price? Well, you know, uh, Jay, it's really holding steady around the $1,300 mark. And I was following the... Um, uh, the uh, the big conference in Rome this past uh, week, uh, you know, the London Bullion Medals. And, um, you know, I think, I think that the, 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 the concept is that there is no shortage of need or demand for physical metal. And it's actually become quite difficult to purchase physical metal, silver and gold, and perhaps platinum, maybe less so. So I think that that is going to catch up to the price eventually. And that's going to force uh, that back through the mining uh, sector system, and so I don't see any 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 uh, at the moment any downside uh, pressures. I, in fact, I see the opposite. And there's mm-hmm. been a huge vol- um, there was a huge open interest uptick. If you've been following it in the Calmex, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of, uh, I would say several weeks ago. So that'll also lead to uh, some future pr- uh, price pressures on the upside. Yeah, it's uh, very interesting, as we were noting in the uh, monologue uh, to start today's show, that in fact Goldman Sachs has been telling people to sell. Uh, which probably means it's time to buy. But in any event, let's get on to the sleeper mine. 
you know, that's one that I'm familiar with as a banker many, many years ago. I was, uh, I visited that property when it was that high grade project, uh, that had a, a spectacular high grade center in it. And, uh, but you guys are really doing quite a job with it now. Uh, how many ounces of gold do you have there? And you have some silver there too, I believe, but it's mostly gold, isn't it? Absolutely, uh, Jay. We're up to 5.5 million ounces of gold and about 61 million ounces of silver. And that was last counted about 18 months ago as well. So we're looking at, uh, we're looking at, uh, again, an update there, but we've also taken that resource and we've modeled it ec- economically, uh, in, uh, in the past couple of years. And it, it's looking really interesting, uh, as a very long, long-lived open pit bulk mineable asset. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we've modeled, um, we've put together a mine plan that, uh, that mines 4 million of the 5.5 million ounces of gold. Gives us a 17 year mine life producing 170,000 ounces of gold per year plus a substantial mm. silver credit, which I think would put us in the, in the range of a small and small, small or maybe even verging into a mid-sized, mid-tier producer. Right, indeed, and you know, you take put that on top of the uh, fifty-seven thousand ounces at the other project, and of course, three million ounces of silver. So, yeah, you become become quite a, a significant producer if if you were to go it alone and, and produce. But of course, that's what someone else can do, and and right. uh, with your project. So the economics look pretty compelling there too, I guess. What sort of capex are you looking at? And, looking and at really, the- I, I know that these are preliminary numbers because you're continuing to explore and develop that project further too, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, we, you know, we haven't stopped work there. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got, we, we established ourselves in Nevada, as you mentioned before, on the infrastructure front, because we think it has the most developed infrastructure in the world. Uh, uh-huh. We're close. We have power on the site. That was the remnant of its operating days. We have water. So we have all the ingredients that we would need to build, uh, to build a mine. And, and again, Jay, our, our model would be to, to somehow partner or, or unlock value to our shareholders. Uh, to one of the established Nevada producers, for which there are two large ones, and we believe that over time there'll be significant leverage in the gold in the ground on this project. And I, I suspect you'll agree with me on that one. Oh yeah, I, I think uh, definitely, definitely has has the potential to become a major deposit, a major production facility. Um, what? Uh, so you're you're still working there. How much do you spend on that project this year? And and. What do you plan to do going forward? We spent about $4 million. We're going to run one more drill program uh, this fall in November. In the, in the course of the last two years, we've picked up uh, an additional 30-square-mile claim package. And so we wow. want to test it. And, uh, you know, the only way to test it is to get a drill rig and stick it in the ground. So we're going to test some targets outside the sleeper area but along the sleeper trend. And we're hoping that, you know, we can discover that high-grade System again, which which is mm-hmm. what made, which was what led to the, uh, the the construction of the mine in the in the eighties. Oh yeah, it was spectacular. I mean, there were you know uh, in some in some places I think twenty thirty ounces or or hundred ounces. It was just ridiculous the amount ounces. The grades were just out of this world. And uh, of course now. Um, Okay, so this is unusual because you've spent eleven million dollars, if I have, if my arithmetic's right here, in those two properties at a time when most companies aren't spending much. What are you planning to spend over the next year? Well, Jay, we've got uh, enough cash to, uh, for two years of exploration. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 you know, we 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 would like to spend another ten million over that uh, two-year period, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've got a number of things we want to do. We want to get do some 
significant met, met, test, met testing in both projects, mm-hmm. and we'd like to sort of advance these now into the pre-feasibility stage at the early set. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of our money goes in the ground. Uh, we have no debt on the books, no royalties. We don't owe anybody any money. Uh, and I think that's the way to operate these companies. We, we, don't, we don't look at the stock market to decide on our business plans. We've always been able to finance the company, and we think we'll just keep, keep adding value by, by exploration upside. You know, Chris, I like to look at companies that have smart investors, people that are really uh, smart and have had a great track record and who are well-financed themselves. And I know that you have a major shareholder. If you, would you care to talk to our listeners about him? Absolutely. In 2009, uh, Albert Freeberg of uh, Freeberg Mercantile in Toronto uh, basically helped us out of the uh, financial crisis that we were all in in the world and made a significant investment. We use that to really drive value in the stock. He's continued to uh, support us. He's got 24 million shares. He's exercised all his warrants on the way up. And uh, him and myself and a few others have a nice position in the company whereby uh, we've kept it fairly tight uh, and we've brought in a number of uh, institutions. It's also a Russell 2000 company and part of the GDXJ and ETF. So we've got very good uh, liquidity and trading in the United States as we are a U.S. listed and based company. I think it's very important to have uh, the people that run the company own shares of the company because then your interest is aligned with mine as a shareholder. Uh, I want to tell our listeners it's ParamountGold.com. I believe that's the right website where people can go to follow, keep up with what you're doing there, Chris? That's correct, Jay, and uh, we'd be happy to do, uh, respond to any queries to the website as well. Excellent. Very good. And folks, if you have questions for Chris, you can also send them my way at questionsfortaylor.com and uh, questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, I should say. And uh, we'll pass them on to Chris. And uh, Chris, look forward to talking to you again sometime in the near future. Thanks for having me on the show again, Jay. Really good to have you. And uh, so we will talk again. I have no doubt about that. Well, don't go away, folks. I'll be right back with Anthem Blanchard, uh, who heads up a unique gold and silver bullion service based in Nevada. Uh, he, uh, he is the son of the late James Blanchard, who was very influential in decriminalizing the ownership of gold back in the 1970s. Don't go away. Uh, we want to hear what Anthem has to say and how, uh, what products he has to help you through the difficult days that lie ahead. Don't go away. We'll be right back. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network golden arrow resources on the tsx exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6500 meter program on that discovery a maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in april of this year the project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine, operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Anthem Hayek Blanchard. Um, he founded the Blanchard Vault, Inc. Uh, in the, that was back in February of 2011, and he serves as its chief executive officer and president. Um, Anthem served uh, as the chief, office, uh, chief executive officer of New Metra, Inc. since two, uh, September 2008. He began working with Numetra in December 2002 as a key strategic advisor and uh, strategic lead. From 2002 until August 2008, he served uh, with online precious metals retailer goldmoney.com. That's a name that's very familiar to those of you who listen to this show because we've had Alistair McLeod on this show as well as James Turk numerous times. Well, that, uh, so that's, you know, certainly he was then uh, one of the founding members of that management and uh, served as its director of strategic development and marketing. So uh, he comes with a great background in the hard money uh, area for sure. He has been a director at uh, Paranex Therapeutics Holdings, Inc. since March of 2010 and serves as a director of uh, Blanchard Vault, Inc. as well. Uh, Welcome, Anthem. It's really good to have you with me for the first time. Oh, thank you very much, Jay. And just a real, real quick note: we actually uh, changed our name to Anthem Vault, so we are now Anthem Vault. Although BlanchardVault.com will also take you to our website. So just okay, uh, okay, very good. Anthem Vault is is the name exactly right. Okay, well, thanks for that correction. Sure. And I might just mention to our listeners before I forget that they should go to AnthemVault.com. That's A N T H E M. V-A-U-L-T dot com, AnthemVault.com, and lots of good stuff there, a lot of interesting articles, and uh, there's some videos with Anthem appearing in various news, uh, various media, uh, television, and so forth. Uh, so I think it's, it's, we want to talk to Anthem about some of the content that he has on his website today as well as his service. Anthem, uh, you know, you have, you have, uh, you had a very famous father, James Blanchard, who I knew probably before you knew him, because I'm an old guy and I was more or less your father's age, I think, uh, back in the 70s. And um, talk to us a little bit about your father, because he was very, very important. Uh, you know, most people don't know him these days because it was a while ago. But uh, I remember I lived through those days when it was illegal to own gold, and uh, which the, at least the penalty on the, on the books was 10 years in prison and $10,000 fine. And, you know, I'd uh, actually talked to Harry Reese, um, who sat on the House Banking Committee, and he told me one time after your father pushed for this legislation, and, and uh, Henry Reese was very much instrumental in, in getting it approved uh, to make gold legal again. He said, I never could quite figure out why the penalty for owning gold was the same as that of owning crack cocaine. Well, uh, so your dad was very instrumental and he, you know, he, he had a great newsletter. He was on uh, Rue Kaiser with, with uh, Rue Kaiser on Wall Street Week from time to time. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your father. Sure. No, I, he was, uh, firstly, I'm very honored to be my father's son, and he was uh, quite a pioneer in the gold business. 
He did push for the re-legalization of gold in the U.S., as you did mention, Jay. Actually, he did it in some very clever ways. So uh, my father was actually in a paraplegic. He had a Mm -hmm. a very bad car accident that was near tragic when he was just a teenager, so late teenager, 18. So the man ended up overcoming incredible obstacles to accomplish what he did, uh, irrespective of his physical disposition. Mm -hmm. But uh, he... He did, uh, he did end up, uh, becoming this great man. I, I would say ultimately, I think because of the creativity, I think that kind of came as a result of the accident in kind of a, an, an odd and interesting way. And sometimes life deals us lemons and get lemonade. So he actually smuggled, had some uh, gold smuggled in from the Bahamas and Bimini. And what he would do is he would actually brandish these bars at, you know, various uh, national memorials, for example, hold press conferences around the country and basically to point to the absurdity of you know, here was an individual holding gold and obviously this man is not a threat to anyone in society and yet to have such severe penalties you know, as you mentioned the same type of severity in terms of penalties of ownership as crack cocaine and just, yeah. just to point to the absurdity of it and I think it was he, he also paid for a, a, a plane that flew over President Nixon's inauguration that said legalized gold of course these days that plane would have been shot down <laughs> way before yeah. it probably got close <laughs> any kind yeah. of inaugurational uh, ceremony. So no, he was he was a, an amazingly brilliant individual and an incredibly cunning businessman. And uh, he he lived he lived with the philosophy, uh, you know, on his sleeve and, and through his work. And I think that that is what I try to carry with me today. And and that mm-hmm. idea that gold and silver are true sound money, and that we need to see them recirculate again as currency in order to experience true freedom. Absolutely. Freedom and prosperity, I would add, as well, because what we've got now is uh, pernicious, I would say, sort of parasitic, really parasitic. Fiat currency is parasitic because those that have control of uh, of the creation of that are able to steal wealth away from those that create it. So, well, you know, another, uh, I find it interesting, your father and mother named you with your middle name, Hayek, right? They and did, it, it, yeah. could you, that's after, I'm sure, after the great uh, Austrian economist. That's right. Yes. Uh, yes. I was named after uh, Frederick August Hayek. Uh, I, I actually, funnily enough, my mother actually ended up uh, being the one that really wanted to push for the name Anthem Hayek as my name. My dad actually, interestingly enough, initially wanted me to be James Ulysses Blanchard the Fourth, and uh-huh. so it, it obviously he he came to love my name very much, and I think very happy that my my mom ended up being the the voice of reason there to name me Anthem Hayek. So, but yeah, that that's also. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a mantra that I, I keep with me to this day. And uh, one of Hayek's last pieces was the denationalization of money and the idea that ultimately the next evolution in money would become decentralized currency. And I think that's what we've seen. We've seen an evolution from the uh, central bank founding, modern central bank with the Bank of England. I would say we've seen a second iteration with the Federal Reserve where we have a, sure. a quasi-private public bank. And I think the next iteration we're going to see after that is, is kind of going back to the 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 16th and the 17th and the 19th century. So the traditional goldsmiths that ended up performing certain types of banking functions and also in the 19th century in the U.S. in a free banking model where banks would issue their own notes, which were then tradable. So I think we're going to see a hybrid, and I think history is going to rhyme again here, and and we're going to see this evolution come out of a hyperinflationary mess whenever that ticking time bomb does end. 
Okay, well, I want to get on to your reasons for, for believing in hyperinflation for sure. But uh, So you're an optimist, really, in a way. Long-term, you're an optimist. Uh, I'm very optimistic. I think that there's an incredible amount of impediments that have been put in our way in the, ter- in the form of regulation, taxes, and, and most notoriously, inflation, which is such a, a cunning form of thievery uh, that Absolutely. most people never, never end up realizing because it, it's a kind of death by drip, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly is until you reach the hyperinflationary stage, and then it's uh, it's it's sudden death. And one of the things that I really have noticed about hyperinflation, if you look at the charts of hyperinflation episodes in the past, is it can tick along. You can have a gradual increase in inflation, and all of a sudden, like a hockey stick, it's straight up. And uh, that's what I think. It's it, it is something that goes off in a society. I don't know if it's the psychology that changes, in which the velocity of money all of a sudden just takes off, right? People just finally get it. They they understand what we gold bugs have understood all along, that what you're dealing with is a worthless piece of paper or worthless digits. So how do you account for that? Because hyperinflation, when it takes off, like right now, things don't seem to be that bad. I mean, they... I, I don't know if you would agree that the price of uh, of everything is going up faster than uh, fa- faster than the government says. Do you do you believe that's true? I I, I do agree. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I we I don't know if you follow the work of, of John Williams, who who thinks we're closer to eight or nine percent uh, cost of living. But but uh, but what what do you think Anthem causes this sudden? Uh, explosion in in the price when people really they seem to lose confidence in the currency they dump it they want to they they have the sense that tomorrow whatever it is you're going to buy it's going to be a lot more expensive so you better buy and then people start buying things they absolutely don't need just because they know it's going to be more expensive tomorrow is that what happens yeah when this I, thing I, finally I, goes I, parabolic I think so. I mean, just to observe, obviously, I have, I have not been uh, a witness personally uh, firsthand to any hyperinflationary episode, but talking with people that have, reading from people that have, and, and reading about history and occurrences, my view of what happens is you, you have this loss of confidence very suddenly when people continue to see you know, a, a poor and poor uh, economic situa- situation, conditions for themselves, those around them, a stagnating employment getting worse and worse, and then at the same time seeing asset prices increase. Uh, you know, tr- you know, tremendously. I, mean, I think we're we're seeing we're seeing uh, the early stages of these trends together because ultimately it's a loss of confidence. Just yeah. as any any equity or any type of investment or a- a- anything anyone purchases and it, that's that's you know priced in the market, right? That all of a sudden something can have value, and then all of a sudden you can have a zero bid. And all of a sudden, something that had a tremendous amount of volume yesterday, today, has much less volume. And, and I think that we're going to see that happen with the dollar. It's just a, a much, much larger market and a mm-hmm. much, much more entrenched market that has a lot of difficulties with some of the players that are holding some of our debt unwinding some of their positions. So mm-hmm. I, I am of the camp that it, you know, it, it might take upwards of another you know, decade plus, you know, maybe two decades even, to see hyperinflation. I don't think anyone really has an idea of how these conflicting forces of credit deflation and monetary inflation, mm-hmm. how long the two are going to be pressed together and, and when hyperinflation will eventually win out, um, mm-hmm. which I believe it will. 
Yeah, that's very interesting you, that you said that because I see that also. The, the, the natural forces are deflationary, actually. If they stepped away, if the Fed stepped away, which is why it can't step away, which is why the, there was no tapering when we were promised some tapering. That uh, I think that the, you know when push came to shove, they realized that if they had really started tapering, the markets would, would probably implode. And so you make a very good point, Anthem, I think, is that you have this, you know, you have this natural force of deflation, and yet against that is this endless amount of, infinite amount of money creation. So having the ability to time this thing is very difficult. I know that John Williams, who's been on this show, though, is quite confident in uh, 2014, but I don't know how, how he can say that because so much of it has to do with confidence. When will confidence be broken? John's view is that we have to see the dollar crash. The dollar has to crash, and he thinks it's imminent. I, I'm just not as confident that you can predict the time when the dollar will lose 50% of its value on its way to zero. I agree with you. I, I think we've never had a time in history where we've had a, a paper fiat currency serve as the world's reserve currency by default. And even when you start compounding the numbers, you know, it looks like maybe, you know, 55, 60% of reserves ultimately goes up to, you know, upwards of over 75% of reserves are really dollars and dollars nominated instruments. So you have a tremendous, you, you have a, a tremendous escalated commitment you know, on the parts of, you know, the Chinese in particular, other holders of our treasury debt, because obviously if they start unwinding their positions, then their positions become worth a lot less. And it also then hurts some of their policy regime tactics in order to weaken their own currencies to you know, for for trade advantages. So there's a whole entanglement that I, I think you're going to see the easy way out continue, and that's going to be continue to monetary have monetary inflation, continue to print currency, continue to print, and that that to me is the only foreseeable outcome. Uh, other than perhaps a, a attempted a few attempted bail-ins, you know, perhaps uh, you know right. if, if if they're able to uh, if the you know, financial over <laughs> overlords, so to speak, or decision makers uh, decide that you know it, it's uh, potential, uh, it, it's it's possible to actually pull the the wool over uh, people's eyes and have bail-ins because that that's ultimately uh, just grand larceny <laughs> in my opinion. So the last thing that a banker, central banker wants is ultimately inflate its own currency. It'd much rather, you know, bail in and to confiscate the deposits of other holders or pension holders or they're, they're, they're much, much rather to take someone else's money than to devalue the monies that they're getting paid back uh, when, they get, when they get paid back from debt servicing in the form of interest payments. But you know, Anthem, uh, that's almost, a, the bail-ins is almost a more honest form of, of theft than the inflation form of theft. And I, I just think people would be mad as hell if that started happening. I, th I think that if Americans, uh, at least now, maybe there's going to need to be some more crises and more programming and, and so on and so forth. But in any event, what, what I want to do before we run out of time is talk to you about Anthem Vault because what we want people to be ready for is when this tipping point arrives. I mean, then it will be too late. If you want to, you know, if we go into a hyperinflationary mode, and people say, oh, my gosh, I need to own gold. Well, everybody else is going to want to be buying gold, and there's just not enough gold to go around. So in a way, when you look at it, as long as the policymakers are able to keep things from exploding and getting out of control, it gives us more time now to prepare, right? So talk to us a little bit about Anthem Vault. What makes Anthem Vault unique, um, and what services do you provide there that might be unique from other gold and silver bullion dealers and, and, and facilities that store it for people. Talk to us about what you do. Sure. So we are a digital precious metal dealer. We're a non-bank uh, custodian. 
So we enable investors, large and small, to own, store, buy, sell a fractional amounts of gold and silver bullion. They can buy as little as $25 at a time. They can sell as little as a dollar at a time. Our mm-hmm. system actually accounts to one ten billionth of an ounce. So that cool. way, uh, when the price of gold gets up to $100,000 an ounce, our system can still reconcile to the penny. Uh, our system is ultimately meant to be a, a form of accounting that other companies, other institutions, as well as individuals can use as a, an, an alternative form of savings and value and money, ultimately. And that's what it's designed for, to play very well with corporate treasuries. So we just launched the initial version of the system for individuals, but we're going to be opening up here corporate services over the next uh, six to eight weeks. So the intent is to have a system that makes it very easy for CFOs to be able to lever the gold, just like they would be able to lever free cash in their bank account, but yet still hold all of the advantages with having the gold remain their property and their asset and not a liability like a deposit liability, but still be leverageable just like cash at a bank. So that way the entity gets to enjoy all of the advantages of having an asset and the, the, having zero credit risk, having uh, zero principal risk mm-hmm. uh, you know, of, of, of default, and, but yet still being able to enjoy the utility of the financial system. So I, I, I'm of the belief that it's vital that we start encouraging more and more parallel tracks. I see cryptocurrencies as a part of the equation. I, I, I see... Mm-hmm all other types of you know, financial services that you know, aren't intertwining the credit risk of the banking system directly with the payment risk you know, to be vital. You know, that was one of Gold Money's uh, goals, and, and I, I, mm-hmm. share that, I share that ideal as well. And I, I think it's important that we have parallel tracks that play with the existing system because mm-hmm. I think that that is what's going to enable us to avoid any type of doomsday, Mad Max, apocalyptic type scenarios and instead have more of a transition where, you know, yeah, there, there will be some fallout and, you know, certainly there, there will be a lot of people who end up, uh, you know, thinking that they had a lot of value and end up losing a lot of value very quickly. But it provides us with a true, a true safety net and, and, and a true uh, a, a model to be able to, to, to work into the future with. And I think that's, that's, you know, my intent. I mean, I'm a pretty young fellow and uh, it's in my best interest to make sure that, you know, we can live in, I can live in as prosperous of an economic time as possible. And, you know, I think we need solutions and a lot of people are pointing to problems and I think we need more and more people, you know, continuing to innovate and, and, and provide solutions to the huge, uh, hyper hyperinflationary prone uh, fiat mm-hmm. currency uh, you know, fractional reserve uh, banking model that we have now. I certainly agree with that, Anthem. You know, uh, so let me understand if I were to open an account with you, uh, do you call it an account or a holding, okay. where essentially where essentially there is no. Uh, there's no liabilities there. So unlike if I put money in a bank, uh, you know, people don't really, most people don't really understand that they are unsecured uh, creditors to the bank. Uh, when I buy some gold or silver at Anthem Vault, uh, I'm, that is mine, right? Is it, is it earmarked for me specifically or, or how does yeah. it work? Yes, it is earmarked. It's, it's very similar to an undivided uh, interest in, in property and real estate. So you actually mm-hmm. do own 
you know, that piece of property with other people. In our case, you own, un, you own an, an un, a, a, a undivided interest in a bar or, or bars. And okay. so what, the way I always explain it to people is that property law, property law is to the advantage of the client, while banking and securities law is to the favor of the institution, the securities mm-hmm. institution or banking institution. I think mm-hmm. that's what's key. So we, we enable the goal to continue to, to be the, the client's property, and that's very different from a deposit liability or an ETF where there, there are several other entities that are ahead uh, of the actual holder. So there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of credit risk in the sub, bank subcustodian, bank custodian, oftentimes, than the security, uh, the actual uh, custodian bank on the securities account. You have a lot of credit risk, and ultimately gold is a non-performing asset. You're supposed to yeah. hold it as a form of portfolio insurance, and you really don't want to have the credit risk there when you're holding it as that form. And I think you know, having $6 trillion in money market accounts and, and savings accounts just in the U.S. alone earning negative yield after you factor in inflation, I mean, less than 1% a year is not covering the, the, the rise of price inflation for people. And I think that that's a tremendous opportunity. And I, I, think, I think that's we're going to see you know, a, a big exodus of, of, of companies you know, over time being able to see, well, I, you know, they want to be able to get a little bit more yield out of their, out of, uh, their cash. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to steadily start seeing more and more price inflation. And that's going to continue to you know, put pressure, I think, on uh, banks to keep funds um, on account. And I think that that's going to be a huge, huge catalyst for gold and silver because the bottom line is gold and silver perform best when real interest rates are negative. And, and yeah. history has shown that. Yeah, and that's certainly the, uh, the policymakers' uh, goal is to keep it negative, it seems, at this point in time. Let me ask you, though, so I can get, I can sell my gold if I buy some and have it. And what are the commissions for purchasing and, and uh, selling gold and silver with your uh, organization? And uh, what are the storage fees? Sure. Well, when you, firstly, when you sell, uh, it's, a, it's a 0% commission, so you're selling at our dealer cost. Uh, when you're when you're buying from us, we have six different tiers. So depending on how much someone wants to buy, uh, that it will depend on the tier. So it ranges anywhere from you know six percent, six and a half percent for you know for example a twenty five dollar order of silver, you know upwards of say you know just over a hundred basis points, just over one percent for over you know half a million dollars worth of gold. So about one hundred and twenty basis points. So and then on on the storage side, it's very comparable to ETFs on. On the gold side, it's just under uh, for, it's just under 40 basis points, and on the silver, it's uh, just under 60, uh, 70 basis points. So uh, it's it's very comparable. All of the gold and silver is stored uh, in Salt Lake City at Brinks, uh, and it's all insured by Lloyd's of London against any theft. It's all it's all held in the form of kilo bars of gold, mm-hmm. uh, which about 32 ounces uh, per kilo, and thousand mm-hmm. ounce Comex standard bars. And okay. So, yeah, very recognizable bars and very easy for folks to be able, especially in the U.S., to be able to take delivery of if they if they felt the need to. Okay, very good, Anthem. We, you know, unfortunately, we're out of time. There's so many more things I wanted to talk to you about. You have a lot of great articles and uh, and appearances on your website, and that for our listeners is anthemvault.com. Anthem A N T H E M is in Mary Vault.com, and you know you you 
have an article or two there about why you know institutional changes. The Federal Reserve uh, making it possible to lend more against gold as collateral. And I think you talked also about things that are going on at the BIS. And we don't have time to talk. I wanted to ask you about those things, but people can go to anthemvault.com and and read what you've written and uh, and the various articles and appearances that you have there. So, Anthem, I, we're out of time. We'll have to have you back again sometime so we can expand on our discussion. I want to thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you very much, Dave. Great to be on. Thank you. Well, don't go away, folks. going to write back with Jim Paplava, who hosts the popular web-based Financial Sense radio show, and he does a lot more than that. We're going to talk to Jim as soon as we come back from our commercial break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 